Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raising Poets and Pirates, the podcast for Christian single mothers raising sons. My name is Natalie, and today I have a wonderful guest, April, and she is here to share her story. April is a mom of two girls, age 24 and 26, and one boy, aged 14. She's also a health and fitness coach and an author of her autobiographical story, Beauty from Ashes, A Modern Day Samaritan Woman at the Well Story. April's story is one of where God takes our broken marriages, our idolatry for things that are inherently good, the consequences of a rebellion, and he makes them beautiful when we turn to him in repentance. He uses it for his glory and our well-being. April shares how we do not have to continue living in our past, that we can truly be free and whole in Christ. Well, welcome, April. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Natalie. Before we begin, I always like to ask a few icebreaker questions. Question number one, what's your favorite book apart from the Bible and why? Okay. Because everyone so, will say the Bible. That was their favorite yeah. book. So. <laughs> um, so for me, I am a very seasonal person. My favorites change in my seasons of life. Hmm. Cool. So I'll say in the last few years, um, right now I'm currently reading um Oh, I, the full title leaves me, but it's Second Chances by Greg Laurie, and I'm leaving out a bit around that, but it is absolutely fabulous. Um, and then uh, I think Breaking Prayers over the last few years has stood out big to me by Craig, and I hope I'm not butchering his name, but Craig Grishel. Mm-hmm. Um, dangerous Prayers, not Breaking Prayers, Dangerous Prayers. I'm sorry. So I think those two stand out in this season of my life, as well as um, probably maybe one by Lisa Turkhurst. Uh, I would say it's not supposed to be this way or forgiving what you can't forget. So that's four books. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the one dangerous prayers that sounds interesting, is it about just really laying it all out or do you? So when I read that book, I read it after what I call my breaking. And that is what this book also talks about, praying for your breaking or praying for someone else's breaking, which sounds horrible because like, why do we want to pray for someone to be broken? But the idea that I walked away with and I had already walked through my breaking, but this helped me to go back and see what was happening in my life, Mm -hmm. all the strongholds that the idols I had put in place, the things that I clung to so desperately, even wanting like what you said, you said it so perfectly, what God has made and given us, but it may become an idol or it's not what is his path for us. And I clung to that. I clung to the idea of being a wife. I wanted it so desperately. And so I made my path instead of waiting on God. But what happened was I just broke. Like Mm -hmm. you would have just, all I could do was sob and just sob and probably just basically feel sorry for myself. Um, you know, just so broken and so hurt, but what was happening was all of the, it, all of the strongholds, the sin, the idolatry was breaking off of me so that what could rise up is what God had created and the joy and living in him. And kind of like when you think of a refining fire, mm-hmm. like gold coming out, or maybe a diamond coming out of a mind, you have to break away all the it before the beauty can come out and shine. Oh, okay. So, so that's what breaking prayers is, is yeah. to be broken yeah, but it's in order praying. to be renewed. 
is praying for the hard things so mm-hmm. that the reunion can come. Yes. Okay, yeah. great. Question number two, what is your favorite beverage? Oh, okay. So I am a health and fitness coach. So this is a little bit of a, um, a bad one. My indulgence, because I don't like coffee. I love unsweetened tea with something like stevia or something, but I also love something like a Celsius drink or something like that, which is not the best choice probably, but it's how I get my caffeine. <laughs> so. oh, okay. <laughs> Last question. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? It, it doesn't have to necessarily be a country. It could be a place, location, city. Uh, for pleasure. I am desperately wanting to hit the national parks out in the Western U.S. Mm-hmm. I would love to go to Alaska. I work for Samaritan's Purse and we have a ministry there. I'd like to go there. But for ministry reasons, um, I believe one, Alaska with my work. And then two, I would say I've always wanted to go to Africa. Um, there's several countries in Africa I want to be a part of for ministry or or would love to just travel and experience and minister there. Nice. Any particular country that sticks out among oh the goodness. many? Um, <laughs> uh, my daughter has spent about six months in Tanzania. Oh. So I think I would like to go experience what she did there. I have a friend in, um, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Rwanda, and then maybe Zambia stands yeah. out to me. Uh, Kenya, definitely. Um, maybe more for pleasure in Kenya, though. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's nice. Did your daughter climb Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or did she see it? Did she have pictures? She did see it. Um, she did not climb it. She's not a hiker. I am okay. an hiker and oh, that would be definitely a bucket list for me. But she did not know. But she did do some hiking on some smaller hills and little mountain type structures. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, let's, let's begin. Uh, Before we start and get into the nitty gritty, can you just give our audience uh, just a brief background of your upbringing? If you were raised in a Christian home, how did you come to know the Lord? Yeah, absolutely. So I did grow up in a Christian home. Um, As most homes are, sometimes it's hidden, but we all have our brokenness of some sort. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were just some illnesses in my family that did make life harder. My mother is a strong believer. She's a precious woman. Um, she has always had to shoulder a lot. So, um, I think as a little girl, that might be where my search for love came in. She loved me dearly. She never neglected me, but there was a lot that pulled her and we're human and we can't be everywhere at once. Like God Mm -hmm. can So she was very pulled and um, consumed with some illnesses in my family. Um, But I did get, I wanted to get saved at the age of seven. I remember very specifically, it was around Christmas, right before Christmas. And I told my mom, I wanted to get saved. And I remember it. And I remember loving Jesus. And I remember a big fear of hell. (laughs) My drive. So yes, I do remember loving him. I remember wanting to walk with him all my life. But as time went on through the teenage years, young adult years, um, I did not trust him with my life. I, I say I was saved maybe out of yes, love for him and fear of hell, mm-hmm. but not in relationship with him as I should have been. I didn't understand relationship over religion as much until much, much later in life in my forties. Oh, I, you know, we share a bit of a similar story because um, I grew up in a Christian home and I remember 
yeah, telling my mother, she was playing the organ. I said, you know, I think I want to be saved. And it was the same idea. I treated salvation that I love Jesus. I love the story. Yeah. I believed in the story. And, and the scripture says, yeah, so do demons. They believe in the story. And they know it's true <laughs> as well. And, but I didn't want to go to hell. So I treated salvation like fire insurance, if you will. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, and, and I don't think I realized that at the time, but hindsight, hmm. what it was. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I always say I was a churchian for like 25 years and then I got saved when you have a true yeah. understanding of salvation. And that was in my thirties. So it's interesting. Yeah. We kind of share that similar, similar, similar background. And so let's jump ahead into um, your first marriage from, I, I read your book and it was like your high school sweetheart. Yes. And yeah. did you, and did you two go to the same church? Cause uh, you, I think you stated he was also a believer. Yeah. Well, he, when we started dating, I was only 15, so I couldn't go out with him, but he could come see me. Mm-hmm. And he was very good about that. Um, we were best friends, I would say. Um, I would never go back and say that we were anything less than that. Um, I We dated through my high school years. I went to one year of college before we married. Um. And I was warned and warned and warned by multiple people not to marry him. But I went headlong into it. There, hindsight, I see the different warning signs. Um, he, um, I will say right now, he has gotten his life on track to the best of my knowledge. He is a very good father and he is now a very good husband to another lady. Mm-hmm. And um, so I do not want to bash him and trash talk him. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our marriage, what we experienced was lots of um, dishonesty, infidelity in the way of um, we were kicked out of a church. He was the youth leader and we were kicked out of a church due to um, the young girls in the church. He, you know, struggled mm-hmm. with faithfulness. Um, I don't, I won't ever say it went physical. I won't, I don't know that. I I will not put that on him, but he was very unfaithful emotionally and very inappropriate. They could get him in trouble age-wise. Um, very dishonest as far as our finances. Um, we lost a home that he told me we sold. He um And the way I did not know that is when I would ask things, he would tell me, you're a woman, his exact words, you're a woman, learn your place. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know about our finances. I was the ultimate little submissive wife. Mm -hmm. Um, But over time, you know, I started kind of losing it as far as, you know, my emotions. And I would just emotionally just rant, you know, because I was being oppressed. Um, So I did not handle things well. You know, I would, I would kind of blow up at a situation um, not knowing things, knowing I was in the dark, yeah. but I didn't handle it right and handle it in Christ. So, um, we did separate and I was desperately wanting my marriage to work. And I asked him if we could come back and it was just kind of a roommate situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my first exposure to pornography married to him. Um, that was devastating. I had never seen such, I grew up in such a conservative home. And, um, so over time the marriage did dissolve. I hindsight imagine I could have done much more in that marriage um, because there was no physical abuse, mm-hmm. but um, it did dissolve. But um, he, you know, it, there was never any forthcoming. There was never any honesty given. No, I guess you'd say desire to be honest and to 
work save on the things. marriage and save the marriage. Did you both try to reach out or was it just you to any elders or was because of the difficulties like getting kicked out of the church, it was hard to establish community with another church or? Well, he wanted to go back to his church he grew up in, which was extremely legalistic. I mean, very legalistic. It was to me, it was religion, not Jesus. Um, I mean, yes, they taught Jesus, but it was, it was all about the Jews and the adults and how you dress and, you know, mm-hmm. the the things you do to appear good. And that was the life he definitely wanted to live and that he was used to. Um, it was very much a religious act and there was no, um, it was the church he grew up in and his family was there. So I was young. I married at 19. And um, so I had a lot of failures in that as well. We could have done more, um, but did not for sure. Um, I wanted the marriage to work, but I also was the one to walk out um, just because there was issues with other women. And like I said, I don't, I will never say that it was physical, but I don't think the emotional things were willing to be put aside. And then the honesty, um, we were always in a situation of dishonesty after we lost our home, we moved and rented from friends Mm -hmm. and the friend approached me and asked me like, why aren't you guys paying rent? And I was like, what do you mean? We're not paying rent. I had no clue. Right. And, uh, and then, so I started looking for things and he had a truck and the truck had the back, the seats that went all the way across the truck. And there was stacks of mail, very, you know, several inches thick, all in my name that had never been opened. So he had opened credit in my name and that's how we were living. Okay. So I was left with a tremendous amount of debt. So, um, you know, there were things I could have done, but at the same time, I see where God's been so good and he is now serving the Lord and mm-hmm. married and a beautiful family. So I do think he has definitely uh, grown and is a good man now. And you have uh, two daughters together. When you two divorced, did he maintain relationship with your with your girls? And um, he he's doing a fabulous job now. Mm-hmm. He is fabulous. Um, when they were little, they would usually want to stay with me. Mm-hmm. He would get to see them every other weekend, but um, more times than not, if he even came to pick them up, they would turn around and come right back home. And if they did play the weekend, they would come home crying and, or, or, you know, I guess feeling dejected, maybe uh, that he, they would say, daddy played games all weekend or daddy, you know, just, yeah, he was there, but he wasn't present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I think it took him a a long time to learn that. And I do believe his current wife has been such a blessing and has helped him in that. So Mm -hmm. um, growing up, they didn't have that relationship with him. They wanted it. Yeah. Um, They have a beautiful relationship with their father. No, that's, that's good to hear. Yes. Now you had said a lot of people were saying, yeah, you two are best friends, but don't get married. Now, after, after this first marriage, how was, how was your faith then? What kind of, did you have time for healing or any sort of introspection? Like, okay, did you recognize now? Like, I really want to be a wife and mother. It's something I can't let go, even though I know it's not like, was there a struggle? Did you have an awareness or you were still like blinded? Like, okay, this didn't work. I got to do it again because now I have daughters and I I want that whole family. I don't, this is not a good place to be in. Or was there a moment of 
you're fighting it, but you still wanted that more than your relationship with the Lord. Okay. Yes. Um, so I think a little, your question, the ways that you asked, I can answer in a little bit of all of it. Um, I did not want to be a divorced woman. I did not want to be an unmarried woman. Like I grew up, like I said, in a very conservative home. My mother quit work by the time I was in fifth grade to be home with us. Mm -hmm. So definitely I grew up with the mentality of the wife, mother. I thought I would be married with 12 kids kind of mentality, barefoot and pregnant all the time. Uh, And that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, And with that being said, um, I think it took a couple of years and a man asked me out several times, several times I told him no. And I finally went out with him like on the, I don't know, the third, fourth time he asked me out. And that was definitely a bad idea. Um, he was, um, I guess in, in light of what you can see, everything mm-hmm. I thought that like, wow, he wants me, you know, but um, he had been in a marriage, um, I think that was his child, his teenage childhood sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of brokenness on both sides, but he had custody of his three children. And I can tell you with a lot of shame that I did pray about it. I had just fell in love with his children. The mom was not very involved. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be the mom to go in and fix it all. And I wanted to teach these children about Jesus. My heart truly was to teach them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. but Jesus did not have a plan for me to be their mother. That was not what he, I mean, and I know that because when I would pray, the Lord clearly told me, no, you know, I could have very easily influenced these children as a friend, as a, you know, just a friend being there for them, but mm-hmm. I was bound and determined to be their mama and, uh, or their stepmama. And so we married and, um, that was a very short lived 11 months. Um, he was, very emotionally abusive, borderline physical. It got rough. Um, not, not to the extent that I would later experience in my life, but it got rough. Mm -hmm. Um, very unfaithful. Um, he had a brother who I was very close to a dear, dear godly man who even encouraged me to get away because it was, it was very bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was known to be unfaithful, even with his ex-wife. Um, so that was a very short-lived thing. Um, and I was very rebellious in that. My intentions were to minister for the Lord, but the Lord didn't have that way for me to minister. And he had told me so. So mm-hmm. I was very rebellious. Yes. In my during, desire. During this time, were you attending another church or were you still attending your home church? By this time, I had uh, started attending another church with my girls. Um, we were getting involved. It was... Um, definitely it's definitely a wonderful church a very wonderful church and so I started a lot of spiritual growth there and that's where some growth started happening but I had yet I still did not in my mind for whatever reason whatever the hindrances and blocks were in my mind I still did not have the full concept of what it was to allow Jesus to fill the hole inside of me that only he can fill Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. hole inside of all of us and we try to stuff whatever our hangup is, you know, whether it's being a wife or whether it's just toxic relationships that we think are going to fulfill us. Um, so we avoid the signs or whether it may be for some, it might be 
the substance abuse or the pornography or the gambling or, you know, for some people it's shopping, you know, I mean, we overeat binge eating or under eating, whatever it is that makes us feel like we're going to be worthy and enough. And I was just trying to fill that hole. And I didn't understand that I was not allowing God to be the only thing that could fill it. I would put him in, but then I'd also try to add something else with him, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I didn't give him that full space. No, that makes sense. Were you ever being, were you being discipled at the church or was it you were more involved in serving in whatever areas you felt were needed, but sort of kept, in other words, did you have accountability believers or you sort of kept it to yourself and thought you could handle it? I did speak with a precious lady there, very, very precious lady whose husband had had a a very intense affair to the point that he, they used his affair as their ministry. So um, their marriage was restored. So she did come alongside and try to help me. Um, we did go to marriage counseling. Um, and I don't want to misspeak here, but if I'm not mistaken, the marriage counseling did not continue to full healing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, my throat tickled. I apologize. But um, in that, I don't remember the full reasons. I don't remember if he didn't want to continue. If he wasn't willing to do the things because I wanted the marriage, but he did tell me to get out. Ultimately, he told me I had to leave. Okay. No, I understand. In your book, it shows that your your parents have um, been there to support you and they continue to do so. In what ways were they able to support you was it I guess you know being the grandma and when you needed to did you live close to them how in what ways have they sort of walked alongside you yeah at that time I was still in my hometown I had always lived in my hometown where my parents were so um you know at that point of course I was having to work a public job I did open a home daycare at one point to be with my girls so that I did not leave them mm-hmm. my, my parents would help me with my girls my mother would more than anything. Um, my father's son at that time, he was still able to help some before his health issues got too bad. At the same time, uh, I was still rebellious. I was rebelling against legalism. And my parents are fabulous, but we were a very legalistic family growing up. Um, loved Jesus, but just a very old school legalism. So that again, there at that time, it still was not the relationship with Jesus factor. I was learning it and seeking it and desiring it. So my parents were supportive. Um, They did not agree with the things that I was doing. I was being just very headlong, very headstrong. I just didn't heed advice. I knew what I wanted and I was going to have it no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they would be there with the girls. Yes, we were together. My parents and I were you know, in family together. But at the same time, I didn't heed their advice. I just saw them as wanting to stifle me and not want me to have a marriage. You know, that's how I perceived it. It is not what they were doing. Um, I think how they explained things were from a legalistic matter Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, maybe not the understanding and ability to explain things the way that I would receive it. Mm-hmm. I was very, very headstrong, very, um, the Lord has mellowed me so much. He has mm-hmm. done such a work in me. It's all Jesus. Um, but yeah, I was just, I, I was bent on being a wife, you know, like, and I just, my idea was 
I love Jesus so much. And if I just pray about it and love my husband, it's all going to be okay. Just such a naive. And, and yes, that can happen. I am not saying it can't. If you're married, pray and press in. But I was doing it out of rebellion, being mm-hmm. married when God clearly told me no. Do you know where that, that, <clears throat> that idolatry and obsession of being a wife and mother came from? Was it something that you saw, I, like you said earlier, that, you know, filling that hole and every, if it's not Christ, like you said, there will always be something. And so was there, was it, and, and, and I don't want in any way to disparage your parents, but is it like, I look at my parents' marriage, I wanted something different because I know it could be better. Or was it a movie that you saw? and like, this is it. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm it, like, do you, have you ever thought deeply like, how where that came from yes now I will say I will never cast blame on anyone my choices are my choices my sin and rebellion are my sin and rebellion Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how we are brought up and what family life we we still make our choices so I own my things but I see what in the past I allowed to shape me instead of me making the choices that God was impressing on my heart. I mean, like I told you, he clearly told me no with my second marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I didn't hear him audibly, but it was that clear as if it were audible. So yes, um, I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of illness in my family and my mother is the most servant hearted. She as heart of a servant woman. Uh, she is going to do and do and give and give until it just, she exhausts herself in every way. And she is very loving. Um, but there were so many illnesses and needs in our family. And I'm wired so much like my mother. I'm very strong, independent, headstrong. Mm-hmm. And we're both driven, driven workers. And we're going to do and do and do, both of us. And I think because I was wired like her and appeared so strong, that maybe sometimes, and also being the oldest sibling, mm-hmm. I had to maybe step aside and watch other people receive my mother's love. She mm-hmm. gave me love. But from a little girl, teenage, young woman's point of view, someone else was always getting the holding or the energy, you know, and it was not my mother's fault. That woman is amazing. But I cannot, as a mother, do absolutely everything all the time for all my children. Yeah. So, but... I think in that I was searching for a love. My father loved us, um, but I was searching for a love deep, deep, deep that, as I mentioned earlier too, I didn't understand yet. I did not have the understanding yet that I have a hole in me that only God can fill. Yes, I knew, you know, we all in our Christian world, so to speak, Bible believing or church world, so to speak, believe that only God can, we hear it It to the point it's almost cliche that only God can fill us. But when you understand that only God can fill you, it's not cliche anymore. It is, mm-hmm. it's like having a puzzle and maybe some of the pieces look alike. So you're trying so hard to just jam that piece in and it keeps popping out. And, uh, and that's what it was like. I was trying to stuff these pieces in to get that love 
and to feel like I was good enough. I was very insecure, um, very insecure about, you know, my, my outer appearance, my weight, um, feeling like I didn't have the personality or the anything to be good enough for anyone. So mm-hmm. I just desperately wanted to be loved and I wanted to give love because I am very much a servant hearted person as well. Like my mother is. So I wanted to give love. I wanted to take care of a husband. So there were so many factors and it's just, it was just lack of making all those lack of letting God fill that hole. And I made those things, my idols, not at the time being able to, to understand, to say that they were my idols. Right. No, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I liked how you laid out your book is that there's always ne- another surprise. I'm like, oh, marriage number three. Okay, <laughs> let's hear this story. And this story is um, where you have, you had your son, handsome yeah. boy, such a handsome man. And tell yeah. us a bit about that, where your heart was before you got into it. Maybe where, you know, scripture talks about the heart can be deceiving. Maybe how you there were red flags, but you deceived yourself into thinking this is it because I truly believe 99.9%, I guess you can never say hundred percent. When someone gets into a marriage, we're not there because eventually we want it to fall apart. No, we truly want to be married, be a wife, be a mother. And so tell us where you are now. Cause I'm sure you still had some unresolved hurt from the first two, but did you suppress it? Correct me if I'm wrong. And then now uh, this man comes along. How, where were you at mentally, spiritually, heart wise? Um, I think one, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, being brought up to be a very strong woman, hindsight, I see pride probably. And again, that was unnamed in my recognition at the time. <clears throat> I didn't understand, or maybe I didn't want to see that I was prideful. And that I needed healing and that I needed help. Because in my mind, as a Christian, that should have been enough, you know, to be able to be healed and to have knowledge from God. And and I will say he is enough. But sometimes we need other people to pour into us to bring the recognition, you know, that we need to grow, to heal and grow closer to Christ. So. At this point, um, I was, I would say, definitely on a good path in my relationship with Christ. Uh, Still not fully healed, though. Um, I can look back and see I was still desiring to be that wife. I still hadn't given up. (laughs) And I was like, okay, you know, you know, I know God has this for me. I was just bound and determined. I knew God had that for me. So. I was not searching for anything. Um, I had gone on a few dates. I had actually dated a man and I felt like the Lord had done a big thing in my life because I dated a man for a while and I recognized the traits in him were not what I wanted for my children. Um, He went to church, but I realized he went to church and that was it. Mm -hmm. I was starting to recognize the difference between going to church and relationship with Jesus. So along comes my son's father and he walked, you know, just we run into one another and he is smooth and he is charismatic. And everything that he says out of his mouth is about the Lord. So when he started dating me, he never tried to take me away from my girls. He never tried to um, take me away from anything. All the things that would make you think, uh uh-oh, 
you know, he's trying to isolate me or he's trying to pull me away from the church. Well, he would bring his guitar to my house and we would sing praise and worship songs in my living room. I mean, it was just fabulous. You know, he was a preacher. You know, all the things, you know, oh, I'll have this godly marriage. Look at all this. So um, the red flags looking back where he wanted to marry quickly, very quickly. We only knew each other about six months and we married quickly. And he immediately told me, I mean, just immediately the very day we got married, became extremely possessive, um, very controlling. I mean, it was just like an overnight light switch flip. Um, very, very controlling. He immediately told me um, that we were going to have a child. I'd given another man two children and I was going to give him children. And um, so it, it just became very abusive. Within two weeks of our marriage, he had physically abused me. Um, he had busted up my face, thrown me across a room um, over some just insane jealousy issues, like making accusations to me that just frankly were not true, but he just was in a rage. I mean, he just, when I say the light switch flipped, it flipped. And I should have seen that in his pushing for the speed of the marriage. Um, but he didn't show any of this aggression when we dated, but we didn't date very long. <laughs> and um, so he went to jail after he had abused me. He went to jail for three weeks during that three weeks at five weeks gestation, I found out I was pregnant with my son hmm. right before he gets out of jail. Well, I was terrified. Here I had been a single mama of two. Now there's three. So when he gets out of jail, you know, I um, I tell him I'm pregnant. And of course, he's sorry. He doesn't know what came over him. He loves me so much. And that would never happen again. And he was, hor you know, he was owning being horrible to me. He was owning all the things. And I was just terrified. So we went on to pursue to make the marriage work. So I thought, um, and it was just very abusive. Just, it was horrible. Um, especially the emotional abuse was way more traumatic. Um, it was so intense and way more traumatic than the physical abuse had been. Um, it was, I, there's just no words to describe it. So he got a job in Texas. We moved to Texas. I only stayed there three months due to the abuse. Mm -hmm. And I came back to North Carolina, where I was from, and to my family. And so then he followed us back or tried to get closer to us. He got a job in Kentucky. And I will say, this is where God started to work. Even though there was going to be so much more trauma, this is really the mark. So we started going to a church in Kentucky. We, we went back to Kentucky with him, trying to make the marriage work. We were only eight hours away from home at that time. Found a fabulous, fabulous church that quickly became our family. Mm -hmm. We moved there two weeks before my son was born, two, three weeks, two or three weeks before my son was born, the day after Thanksgiving and uh, in 2008. And that family just wrapped around us. Um, and fast forward a little bit. By the time my son was six months old, um the abuse had gone past me to one of my children and he did go to jail for three months um, before a sister in South Africa bailed him out. And um, of course, from that time since it was been absolutely, I don't know if impossible is the right word, but as a mother, 
there would be no way to bring him back mm -hmm. um, into our home. From that birthed the idea of my book, Beauty from Ashes. Mm -hmm. um, the, the first part of the title of the book, the Lord told me the night that the abuse happened, he literally just whispered in my heart, this is going to be used. And he started giving me, you know, you're going to use this to help other women who are in cycles of not submitting to me, cycles and patterns of destruction. And from there, we are still in contact with much of our church family from Kentucky, Indiana area. It was borderline Kentucky, Indiana. And um, it was just a beautiful time as far as starting to learn more about relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. and building beautiful relationships. From there, um, it started bringing us more back towards the East Coast. I got a job in Virginia. He followed me to Virginia, even though we, we were not together. He he continued to stalk me and to threaten me for many, many, many years. He would use my son to threaten me. I had custody of my son, um, but he would just, I was living in fear of him all the time. And it um, so that's where I go into another act of disobedience. And uh, as you've read through my book, there comes a fourth marriage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I'm afraid. And now my disobedience is not allowing God to be my protector so much as I think a man could protect me. I found that interesting when, because um, when people read the book, they're probably thinking just it's so I, I guess you, they probably thinking what's like, they probably want to just say no sister because hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course we're reading Yes. And just, so it's interesting how you said, well, this fourth marriage, it was no longer, I want to be a wife and mother, right? It was more like protection. I need protection for the fourth. Yeah. So definitely my heart, I would not have said this at the time because I would have never thought my heart could be this way. But if I look back, that was an evil intent. Um, how so? Yeah. And I've never, this is the first time I've ever used those words. It's funny how God brings things to us over healing. Um, I've never had that thought until just now. Um, and I don't think I was intending to be evil by any means, but my desire was to be protected <clears throat> by something other than my heavenly father. <clears throat> and, um, and so allergies are thick in North Carolina. Please forgive me. <laughs> hey, cut, cut. Do you want to take another glass of water? No, honestly, it's okay. Okay. All right. Action. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so I think with that being said, I look back and wanted to be protected. And when we go to God, anything other than our Abba Father to fulfill us and to be our source, that is, I guess, just evil, you know. Anything, anything that is not with him is not good. It's just not. Nothing leads to good aside from Jesus. <laughs> so um, I look back and, of course, I do still desire to be a good wife. I truly do. And I put everything into this marriage. Um, all of my financial resources piled into this marriage. I had to keep this man up. He was um, quickly became a drug addict, in and out of work all the time because of drugs, constant lies, um, borderline physical abuse, nothing to the extent of my son's father, but very much rough handling 
um, my son, myself, and the emotional abuse and the things that happened in the emotional abuse were the exact same things and same ways that my son's father had done it. I could see a power of what Satan was doing because it was the exact same pattern. I mean, just crazy to the T. Mm-hmm. It's unreal. So it lets you know that Satan sees and Satan knows our weak points and Satan knows how to get to us and wants to destroy us. Mm-hmm. But then there's God. He had a plan for my life. And if I could let anyone know, God never gives up on us. Never. We may give up on him. We may keep pushing him aside, but he never stops pursuing us. And when I say pursuing is so gentle. And sometimes it becomes a little more fierce in a beautiful way that he's pursuing us, but he never forces himself upon us. He's never aggressive. He's never, um, he's gentle. And the things that he has called me to all my life, the callings I've had in my life for my whole life, he held those for me until I was ready to be able to receive them and walk with him in them. Yes. And you, you talk about that in your book, which is, yeah, his, his gentle pursuit or drawing you to him, if you will, as well, like come, come back my child kind of thing. And yet you make it clear. It doesn't mean that the natural consequences of my sins won't happen. And so, but the Lord is there to heal us. I I look at your story in your life and it reminds me of the Japanese art called Kintsugi, which is um, the repairing of broken pottery by mending the breakage with gold. And I, and I, I think of that for my life and I think about, you know, how our brokenness. And so God, his goal, that's what the Lord does with us. He heals us, you know, with his love, by his love, by his, by pruning us, you know, how it talks about just refining us by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are made whole and those scars are left like with gold. It's, it's, it's really, I find that so fascinating that in Japanese art, they have a word for that instead of just throwing it out and casting it aside. No, it's repaired with something more beautiful with gold. And so you do still see the cracks, but you see how it was healed. And reading your book, it's it's throughout how the Lord has mended you with He is He is the gold. Yes. And yeah, it's 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 really amazing. And I think your story is very encouraging for Christian single mothers, especially when it's through divorce. Sometimes in Christian circles, there is that stigma you know, perceived as damaged goods when there's been divorce and it can, this can be especially felt in the church and it's very painful and isolating. It can cause a lot of loneliness. I have experienced it in, I'll be honest, in subtle ways. It might be a comment from uh, a a brother or sister in Christ, which they might think is being said in love, but it's, it's been hurtful. How, have you had that and how were you able to get through it? And is it still something you fight the sense of, I've got to fight this thing that Satan loves to say, you're damaged goods, you're damaged goods. Nobody ever wants you. You know, they always say third time is a charm. You're, you're, you're there, you know, saying things now it's four or fifth. Like when is it going to end? You know, April, all those kind of messages and just getting into you. Have you struggled with that? How have oh, yeah. you dealt with it? 
Yes. So even after the fourth marriage, as horrible as that sounds, I still was not convinced that I still desired to be a wife. Mm-hmm. And my mother would even say, I mean, I think my mother mother was just like, what in the world? Like, you know, she just couldn't understand my desire. And hindsight now, uh, I was sitting there, you know, still after the fourth marriage and, and truly in love with Jesus at this point, but still an, a very immature lack of understanding of, yes, I love him, but I haven't given him everything yet. And, uh, and I just watched over the years after that, um, the progression of still more hurt and pain, but how God protected me. And when I referred at the beginning, when you were asking the icebreaker question about the books and I referred to Craig Rochelle's book, um, I think dangerous prayers, I think it's called, um, and I just think how God held me and he let me break, but he didn't let all of me break. He let all, he started, you know, just really putting his hands on me and protecting me and the things I thought I wanted, he would not let me have. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, but God, you know, I want to serve you this way. And he was going, baby girl, that's not how I want you to, that's not your, your path. And, um, so I still kept on in some rebellion, not realizing it fully recognizing it, but wanting to justify it, maybe Mm -hmm. still pursuing relationship, things of that nature. And I will say over the last several years, the Lord has done so much in me and I can't take one ounce of credit. He has brought me to a place that Yes, as you said, there's the lonely times people say things that hurt, um, not meaning to, of course, some do, you know, some will just be like, you know, they just call out your sin and, you know, really judge you you in the head with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I've also learned just like the woman at the well, when Jesus called her out, when he went through Samaria, not even having to go to go through Samaria on his journey. You know, that was not, he kind of took a detour to go through Samaria on his journey. And he being a Jew was not supposed to talk to a Samaritan, you know, it was not culturally acceptable. But when he asked her for that drink of water and she told him, if you knew, and you know, and he let her know, I do know you've had five husbands and the one you have now, number six is not even your husband. That's all he said. You know, he he called out her sin, but then he loved on her. He didn't condemn her and he didn't beat her down. He didn't sugarcoat her sin, but he didn't beat her up. And that's where I think he started lifting me up is um, very much maybe even like the woman caught in adultery and the Pharisees were coming to stone her. And then he stoops down to write. And I read something recently. It might have been in the Greg Laurie book, if I'm not mistaken. What was Jesus writing? Was he writing down maybe the Ten Commandments? Or maybe he was writing down the sins of the Pharisees and looking up at them like, hey, you know, you have your issues too. So as much as I loved Jesus, I had my issues and I had to own them. 
much like the Pharisees had to own theirs. And I had to realize that, yes, I would love to be a wife. I would love to grow old with my best friend. I would love to have that hiking partner and that partner that loves Jesus and wants to do ministry together. I would love that, but I wouldn't love it a fraction as much now. This is what he's done. He has so healed me that is that is not nearly as appealing as just walking in the peace and joy with him and being in his will and on the path he has for me. And I can say that with full authenticity, that my life is so full of joy And it's simply because I quit trying to put all the things into the God hole inside of me Mm -hmm. and I let him live there. And I quit trying to stuff the puzzle pieces that don't fit in. And I was just a hard headed girl that was determined. And, but when he finally, that breaking happened, when all the ick fell off and all the, the mess fell off, then what he created was able to rise out. And I'm not saying I've arrived. I'm still human and I still make mistakes and I have flaws. But what he brought up out of that brokenness was more of a refined person that he created in the beginning. And I, all I want now is to live out the purpose he has for me. I want that above anything. I don't think there's a man on the face of this earth that could turn my eyes away from my Jesus now. Now, if he has a man for me, he's probably going to have to about hit me upside the head. (laughs) I just, I'm so in love with Jesus now and I'm just so joyful and the way he's opening opportunities for me to share his love. There's nothing that I want to detract from that. You know, can he bring somebody? Of course he can. He's God. Do I need that to fulfill me now? No, I don't. Amen. And that's what I want for women or men anywhere, whatever their cycle or hangup is, whether it's the opposite sex or whether it's, you know, we live in a culture now where it's same sex. We live with addictions to everything. We have everything at our fingertips now. But if anyone could hear through this story that there's nothing that's going to take you and fill you like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just not- Absolutely. Now, um, your son, I guess, was too young to know what was going on with his parents, correct? Right. And your your daughters have sort of witnessed the the trials and the ups and downs. How have you talked to them about it? What um, where are, where are they in their faith? Uh, were there times where they were just angry at you as, especially as a, when you were a single mom and just, just sharing with them Christ and your own brokenness and how it's only Jesus that can heal. Were, were there some difficult conversations, I guess, times of, of yes. repentance and asking for forgiveness and, and how from that are you, were you still able to parent? so that the relationship stayed intact? That is a very good question. And it's one that God is still um, <clears throat> God is still unfolding that story. Mm-hmm. So we went from a very close-knit family through my oldest daughter being a teenager up through her first year and a half of college. We were insanely close. I mean, very close. Um, but she shouldered a lot. She shouldered a whole lot being the oldest, much as I mentioned me being the oldest shouldered a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I did to her what I endured growing up. Only mine was 
a much less dramatic experience than what my daughter had to experience. Um, my oldest daughter knew of abuse that happened to one of her siblings. Um, she knew she was always trying to protect me from the abuse. And that is not a child's job at all. A child is not meant to protect their parent from abuse because their parent is acting foolish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she shouldered a lot and we were very close. I will say, however, we are walking in a very distant place right now. She has distanced herself. And I know that that is one of the consequences mm-hmm. of my actions of not being obedient to the Lord. So I'm in a place now of, um, with her, of loving in a gentle pursuing way, like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a painful place, but I also realize that there are consequences to my actions just because Jesus has healed me or we're an ongoing work. We're never fully perfected on this earth, but as I'm walking with Jesus and drawing closer to him and more obedient to him, I realize that I will have consequences to the choices I made. And this is one of them. Uh, The second, probably most grave consequence that has come from this is with my middle child. And she's the one I mentioned that was a missionary. Mm -hmm. Um, She is also now my prodigal child. Um, And we have been very, very close. Um, She has endured the most pain and suffering. I would say of all three children, even though my son has grown up without his father, I don't want to negate that. That has been huge. Um, But she has endured a lot. And I'm just pressing in, waiting for her to come home to the Lord. And I fully believe in time she will. Um, And that there again, the Lord has impressed on my heart. You know, these are consequences of my actions. So I love them and wait. Mm. And I will be here with open arms. And just move forward with them and love them when they're ready and as they need and are ready. Um, My son and I are very close. Um, He is the baby and he's the only boy and he is the namesake of this book. He is my beauty from ashes. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came from something so, so broken, but God gave me such a gift in this boy. He is, I see in him how God designed men to be. I see Satan after him. Mm -hmm. I see Satan fighting it because he is an incredible young man. So I do see Satan fighting for him, but I also see him fighting to live as God has called him to live. Um, He is so much fun. We have very similar personalities and likes, so we fit together very well. Um, He is all country boy as you know, it's all about dirt bikes and hunting guns, you know, uh, living off the land type mentality. Um, it's, it's fun. It is so fun. Um, but he's also gone through his challenges growing up without a dad. There is some bitterness in his heart. I believe, um, he says there's not, but you know, he says, I don't care. You know, um, his dad really shows no interest in him. He'll call once in a while. But you can tell everything else is more important than being on the phone with his son or spending time with him. They don't see each other. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, so, you know, there's hurt there. And there's 
much like his mama, I think trying to be strong Mm -hmm. and maybe not um, doing it in the healthiest ways. So we're working through that. But he is an incredible, incredible young man. So um, I've had very good relationships with my children. The last few years have brought difficulty with my daughters. But I'm also accepting that as it's not over. Mm-hmm. And it's just the natural consequences that flow with sin. So our choices have consequences. Yes, that's true. And I will keep you in my prayers. And I, I love how you said I'm loving and waiting. And and gently pursuing. You sort of saw you saw God as the example and you're, you're doing the same. Now with your son, are you able to, the church you go to, are there some godly male figures who, who are from time to time stepping in? Uh, Maybe, does he have any, any male influences, godly male influences that uh, he's uh, learning from? Oh, guys, never stop praying. When you think that God is not hearing your prayers and you're waiting and waiting and nothing's happening, never stop. So my mother and I have prayed for years for godly men to come into Aiden's life. And uh, it just seemed like it wasn't happening. But for a couple of years, several years now, we've been since COVID, we have been plugged into a church about 35 minutes away from us. So it took it took a little bit of effort, you know, um, because that's a little bit of a drive to be plugged in all the time. But we are very involved now. Um, I am on, I'm able to be a part of several different ministries there. Uh, one being with the youth group. And we have a fabulous youth leader. And we have fabulous, what we call small group leaders within the youth group. We split up into girls and boys at the end of each night. And the men have poured into my son. It has been nothing short of a miracle and God. Uh. Yes. My son loves these men. He has gone backpacking with them. He goes to another gentleman's house and works with him and just spends time with him. And these men pour into him what men really are, what God created men to be. And we are so blessed. The pastors have um, all poured into my son. They take interest in him. Uh, it has been nothing short of beautiful and a miracle. So yes, um, it was a long time coming, but it also took obedience and patience on my part. Mm-hmm. It took me stepping into alignment in my calling and me being willing to do the things that didn't always seem convenient. And now those are the things I thrive on and crave. And uh, so you know, um, a lot of times we think I'm tired. I've worked all week, you know, not this church thing again, or, oh my guys, there's nothing more fulfilling than being with the body of Christ. And they're not, they're not perfect people. They're broken. Just like, just like we are, because we're all people and we all need the grace of God. And that's why coming together, instead of running away from one another in our brokenness, that's, that's the beauty of being in the body of Christ. Yes. And especially as single mothers, we need to go to a really Christ loving Bible loving church that can um, surround us and be there for us. Cause it's so essential. Um, 
it, and I have been blessed by going to such a, a wonderful um, iron sharpens iron type of church where they lovingly call out our sins, but then we're like, run to Christ. You know, when we confess our sins, he is just to forgive us and, you know, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I cling on to that scripture first. I think I just butchered it like first John one nine all the time and having a church that loves on us and, and where, wherever we are at and pointing us to Christ, it is life giving. It is thirst quenching. It's so wonderful to hear that the people in your church have come alongside you and stepped in and for, for your son. And I've had that for my sons as well. It's, it's wonderful. There's um, another section in your book that I really like because um, I think, yeah, and I'd like to, I'd like us to just uh, unpack that a bit. You had talked about how that you will not and you do not advocate for divorce. And sometimes people might say like, well, that's kind of rich uh, considering, even in my case, I, with all that I've gone through when the Lord truly, you know, had I had true saving faith, he saved me. I had a different view of marriage and have a very high view of marriage. And if it's the Lord's will, I, I would like to be married again. But apart from that, I, I like that you said that. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because some people might, listening might be, well, shouldn't you be a little bit more understanding since you've gone through a divorce? You know? Right. Yeah. So, How Would you expand on that, please? Yes, absolutely. So with that, first, I want to say, and I think I mentioned in my, my book, we should never allow harm to ourselves or to our children. God does not want you harmed. He does not want his children to be abused. I don't think he would ever want that. God does allow for divorce. Um, he has, he has it laid out in scripture, what he allows for divorce, but he also is a God who heals. He also is a God of second chances. And I think sometimes, like I said, in my first marriage, I probably did not do all the things I could have and should have for what should have been a committed covenant marriage. And so I think sometimes in our humanness, we jump to this mentality of God just wants me to be happy. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm coming from with that is we're not always going to have the feelings and that comes with anything in life. The feelings are not always ooey gooey and there, but that's where we press in. And this is where I sound very hypocritical, you know, <laughs> but I'm owning the fact that I could have done more. Um, And this is where we realize that, or I realize that, If I were to be married, it would need to be one. I I know I'm in a place now that I would recognize a yes and a no from God. And I have been, he's put me in situations or allowed situations for me to know that. I've clearly said no to so many things in the last several years. And Mm -hmm. I love having the opportunity to say no, because that lets me see God's hand at work in my life. And that I'm relying on his strength and his knowledge and his wisdom, not my flesh. Mm -hmm. Um, So that being said, though, if God allowed a yes, that would need to be 
a covenant taken seriously? Um, I say that because I think I'm straying from your question. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, continue. I, no, this is, this, no, please continue. Yes, I, I am a rabbit trail person. Please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think that one, we need to be safe. As I said, I will reiterate that. I'm very sensitive to that. And if someone else is absolutely not willing to change, you can't hold a gun to someone's head and force them to change. I understand that. But when the times are hard and it's just not fun, maybe, or you're just not happy, God doesn't call us to happiness. He does call us to joy and joy is different than happiness. Joy comes from him. Happiness ebbs and flows is in and out, no matter if you're married or not. You know, because we are humans with wishy-washy feelings, and that's what that is. <laughs> and we can't just go day in and day out on our feelings, and that's where the train wrecks happen. Mm-hmm. And that's why my life for so long was a train wreck and has the consequences I'm still living out today. Is because of the ups, downs, and, you know, the ooey-gooey feeling of wanting to get married and not being wise. Um, so he does not advocate for divorce. He allows it. But he wants covenant and commitment, just like he wants us to be committed to him. Mm-hmm. He wants that covenant relationship with us. And marriage mirrors that. Marriage is meant to mirror that. Marriage is meant to go the long haul and grow. And I see marriage now as if, for some reason, I were married, <laughs> hypothetically, um, that there may be a day I don't like my husband. Or there will probably be lots of days he might not like me, but that's where we press in and decide to love and decide to be together and decide to make this relationship work and decide to press in to Jesus first and to each other. Hmm. And, um, you know, if if that were in my life now, that is the only way and that would be the mentality to go behind it. I think biblically, um, the picture that Jesus gives us with his relationship with us and that gentle pursuing one another as he gently pursues us. Yeah, no, that's beautifully explained. And, and yeah, I think, cause some people, like I was going, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's true. Some people say, well, you don't have a like to stand on, stand on, but because you've gone through that and because you've grown to know the Lord and his will, your comment that, yes, I, I will not and do not advocate for divorce. You, and of course you clarified where God allows it and, if there's abuse and harm, you know, yeah, you've, you've also added that to it, but I think even more so it, I, your stance just shows how you are aligning your heart to God's will, to God's heart and his word and his truth. And that I, I do say the same thing. And, and like I said, it is, I, it would be nice. Yeah. As you say, grow old (laughs) with your spouse but I also know that the Lord is sovereign over my life and that he is, he needs to be all satisfying. And when he's not, it's, it's just chaos on when we, we take control when we decide how it should be. And so because of a high view of marriage, the way God uh, wants it and wants us to view it, I'm not in a rush in a way because I'm still at that stage where I don't trust my heart. <laughs> you know, I remember in the beginning, I was longing so much in the way you did. For me, it was, I'm a single mother of two kids who have two different fathers. I need to fix this. And marriage is the answer because then I'll make things whole. It'll look good to everybody. I've, the problem's been fixed. And thankfully, 
uh, it, it didn't happen. Thankfully, the, the Lord didn't allow it to happen. And so there is that. I, I, I realized then when the Lord was sort of, he was healing me and I said, and I would like someone or there might be something I'd have to stop because I had to do a, a deep dive self-examination is, do you really want to marry him and why? And I'd be like, okay, I'll be honest. My finances aren't great right now <laughs> and I'm ignoring, or yeah, I need a, a daddy sitter. <laughs> it was just all for the wrong reasons. And so I had to resolve and say, Lord, I have to lean on you. It's, it's me and my boys and just, and now I'm at a stage where uh, my heart is open to it, but I want my relationship with the Lord first and foremost. And as you know, single mothers, we do struggle. We see our friends and even some of my single mother friends who remarry and going and I'm, and I just like, Lord, let me be joyous for there for this. And I am, and let me not feel sorry for myself and remind me the joy comes from you and to point my heart and my eyes to you, to you. And your story certainly shows that. And, and I just want to thank you for sharing this to the, to all the listeners here. And I want to ask you where, what are your goals now and uh, your, the ministry using your story as a ministry, you've written this book. Do you have anything else going on or maybe you'd like to share? Cause there might be some listeners within your area or maybe find ways to like stay connected with you if they felt resonated with your story. How can they, what are you up to? <laughs> my questions are so, they're just coming out of my head. So yeah, what's next for you, April? So, um, I was on a podcast about a week and a half ago, I guess. And uh, I told her I had started a life group that is about just this, learning our identity in Christ so that we can break these cycles, learning who he made us to be. And so that life group has just started in my living room. Um, and it, the first turnout was five women. And this is how God works. Every single one of them we're walking very, very similarly in the same hurts and pains and hangups. Some were healed, some not quite as distraught, some completely in a state of brokenness. Mm. But God brought us together, just the right people. So the lady that hosted that podcast asked, would you be willing to do that? You know, you know, all over, you know, through the internet, through Zoom. And I absolutely would. You can reach out to me if that is something that you would love. Um, currently, I am praying about and trying to figure out how to start my own podcast for this reason, because I know that God has called me to do this. He didn't mm. allow me to come out so in love with him to stay quiet and to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> right. And I do have the gift of gab, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But so I'm more than willing to host, you know, life groups, so to speak, um, through the internet, uh, through Zoom, um, or, you know, just however that may look for some people. So I can currently be found on Facebook. I can uh, be found on Instagram. And I'm hoping very soon in the next, I don't know, near future to have a podcast as well. Um, I am thinking of how to integrate um, our spiritual health 
with physical health as well, because it all comes together, but spiritual definitely being the most important, but, um, just how that both of those together can intertwine to emotionally and spiritually, you know, just keep us strong in those areas and that balance. Um, so I'm working on that and praying about it and trying to learn how. Absolutely. But what I, I can, sorry, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. I will be glad to have my email address given, um, my Facebook, Instagram, things like that. Yeah. Oh, please, please say it now how they can find you. Um, and then I, in, in my newsletter, I can, uh, send this out again in case. Okay. Yeah, so it makes so, it easier to connect with you. Absolutely. Facebook is um, April Alicia Van Leave. And that is a mouthful. <laughs> van Leave, like a van that's leaving, but with two <laughs> E's. <laughs> and uh, uh, Instagram is much like my book title. It is Beauty from Ashes underscore 21 and um my email address is a van leave 76 at gmail.com and that would be a v a n l e e v e 76 at gmail.com and those are v's like victors um so those would be some ways you could connect with me if you had interest of you know wanting um, to know how to get my book. The book is on Amazon as well. It's Beauty from Ashes, A Modern Day Samaritan Woman at the Well Story. I did use a pen name at the time I wrote it, Maddie Patrick. So that would be found under my pen name, Maddie Patrick. Um, and that can be purchased on Amazon. And we do the life group studies with my book and with the Bible. Oh, wonderful. April, I just want to thank you so much. This has been great. Uh, this has been such a blessing and really encouraging, really encouraging. And it just points to how amazing and how loving and how good our God is. Do you have any comments or anything you want to share to single mothers who are, haven't reached that point where you are at in your life? Uh, they're still dealing with a lot of brokenness, wrestling maybe with their faith and, and struggles and hurts and pains. What what encouraging thing would you like to share? I would like to say, sweet lady, I know what it's like to lay in a bed or a floor or sit in a car and scream out and cry. Why? Why? I know what it's like to feel rejected. But also a comment I see so often that it may sound cliche, but I want you to take it and I want you to let it seep into your deepest parts. Man's rejection is God's protection. He is saving you for himself. He's calling you to your, himself. Sometimes he takes away the things that are poisoning us that we think we need and want so desperately, but it's poison in our lives. And I would just call you out of that. If he has you here hearing this, and if there's anything resonating inside of you, listen to his call. He's hand picking you. He's allowing you to see someone who's walked probably way more insanely unwise than you have. I have been at the top of unwise. I've been at the top of rebellion. And 
but he held me and he called me and he called me and he called me for 20 something years Mm -hmm. before I listened and he never gave up. So I would say to you, don't make him call you 20 something years. And if you have, and if it's been 30 or 40 something years or 50 something, just lay in your father's arms, picture yourself just in his arms. Literally just close your eyes and see him holding you in his gentleness. See how he loves you and he's waiting for you. And there's not one human, not your mother, your father, or whoever raised you or whoever has been what you thought was the greatest love of your life. If you didn't have a family to raise you, whatever that looked like to you, nothing can love you like he can. Nothing will fill you up. Nothing will fit in that God hole but him. Nothing. Everything's going to pop out and leave you feeling dejected and rejected until you let him hold you and let him have every piece of you. And he won't he won't force you to do it. He'll never force you. He's not a genie in a bottle. It takes you deciding to let him. Have you. I would just encourage you to just fall and let him have you. Thank you for that, April. This that was wonderful. And I and I pray that the Lord will restore your family, your children, that they will turn to him who are struggling, that they will be healed from their wounds and just know the love of Christ and his sovereignty, his goodness, his love for us. He Oh, he's a good guy. I don't, I don't, not even enough to say he's a good guy. He's a great God. He's a holy God. And your story again, such a blessing, really touching. And what excited me about it is where you are now. Like your book exuded the joy and love of Christ throughout, even as you shared the difficult, um, you know, journey. It just exuded how the Lord has brought you to himself. Thank you so much and, and much blessing on, on these endeavors, the, your future podcast. Yes. Get, get on, get on here. <laughs> we need, we need more stories. We need, especially for Christian single mothers. We don't have a lot of resources out there. We sort of tag on to um, Christian wives and mothers and their stories, which is nice, but it's nice. We need more of you. Yeah. Join, join me. <laughs> we need more voices <laughs> out there. And may the Lord bless it and may it flourish and may it just prosper to bring healing to others and, and salvation, especially for women who don't know that the answer is Christ. Thank you again, April. God bless you. This was, this was fantastic. Thank you, Natalie. It has been a joy to talk to you. You're precious and you are such an inspiration as well. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'd love to meet you in person. God willing. Yes, that would be great. I I have to do like a road trip. Yeah, come to North Carolina. It's beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, it's funny. Um, my nephew, he went to school in North Carolina. I can't remember where. Uh, he for high school on a basketball scholarship at a Christian Christian school, and he's back in the states now on a scholarship for for college. But yeah, he would always I, North Carolina, North Carolina. We hear it a lot. My sister would go down and. And I know some people there. I, apparently, it's a really lovely state. And I have a 15-year-old, so he'd probably make a friend with your son, and it'd be great. That would be fabulous. And uh, the ministry I work at does beautiful tours. 
you can learn so much about the ministry and what's going on there all over the world. It's international. And maybe you could come and visit and we could just do all the things and see the beautiful mountains. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Oh, I love mountains, mountains yeah. and lakes. Oh, I, I would love that. God bless. Thank you. You as well, Natalie. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Raising Poets and Pirates and that it encouraged you and was a blessing. If you like this kind of content and more, please subscribe to this podcast. Furthermore, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at hello at raisingpoetsandpirates.com. Also, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to get notifications on the next episode, as well as exclusive information. Just go to raisingpoetsandpirates.com. Thank you, and God bless.